This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. and welcome to this live episode of Fertility Life Raft podcast with me, Alice Rose. I am your transformative coach and mindset mentor, and we are here live tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, um, with some of my beautiful members and the lovely Meg from the Instagram and website and community for The Baroness. So Meg, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You're in sunny California and your place looks gorgeous. I can see um, beautiful fresh plants everywhere it just you just look like you're in the I, uh, I moved the healthy ones behind me for videos <laughs> <laughs> so you got a whole bank of like dead plants in front of yes, you yes exactly on the other side <laughs> of the computer <laughs> um Meg thank you for your account first of all so you run a brilliant Instagram account which is I just find it, I just love it because it's full of humor, but it's obviously from the heart and you're right in the middle yourself um, of your own fertility journey and you've been through an awful lot. So please tell us a little bit more about how you came to be running this account and, and your story. Yeah, absolutely. I'll speak to, you know, kind of my story first, which started before I began the account. My husband and I have been trying to get pregnant now for about four years. Um, and I should say, you know, we've we've gotten pregnant actually quite a few times. None of them have been successful, unfortunately. But after my first pregnancy, which was, I think, for a lot of people, a very hopeful, exciting pregnancy, you know, after so many months of trying, we got there, we got the positive test, things were going to go great from here on out, uh, but they didn't. And the response was, you know, from the medical community, this happens, you know, it happens, it probably won't happen again. And then it did happen again and again. Uh, so after three miscarriages, you know, back to back, we started uh, looking into recurrent pregnancy loss, uh, support systems and clinics, and uh, began the IVF journey. That's when we really started to learn just the hot mess of my body, you know, endometriosis, adenomyosis, uterine abnormality shape, things that even today I'm still learning different things. We finally did a reproductive immunology panel. Uh, but it was around this time that I was starting IVF that we've been doing this for over a year now, had several losses. And I really felt just so lonely. I mean, I could be sitting around a group of friends and I just felt lonely, isolated. You know, I knew people who had had one miscarriage, but I had surpassed that and felt like I was at this other place of not really knowing people who were in IVF. I knew people who'd been successful, you know, people always share it once they're successful, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, my baby was born via IVF and that's wonderful to have that connection, but I just didn't know anyone that was still in the trenches. 
And so I started this account because I'd been following some accounts and I thought, you know, okay, maybe I'll connect to some people on here. And it was just the most phenomenal experience to have people reaching out to me, you know, through DM saying, I went through the same thing, or have you, you know, have you looked into this clinic near you and here's the doctor and getting tips and tools. And I just really found that I was feeling less isolated by it. At first, I thought it would just be a place I connected. And then I realized that we all wanted an opportunity to connect and share our journey, which is why I started transitioning it into a blog as well, where people can share their stories. So there's the blog online, people share their infertility stories, their loss stories, Really, the premise of the blog is any journey that is not easy to get to parenthood, whether that be surrogacy, adoption, IVF, just trying for years and years and years, whatever it might be, a place to share that journey and see other people going through that. And then on the Instagram account, it it shares my journey, it shares others' journey. It certainly can be snarky. I have a, you know, I have a maybe too dark of a sense of humor for some people. No, I but- love it. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe at the same time, sometimes we're just like, some of these things are so ridiculous. We just have to laugh about it. So, so that, that was why I started the, the handle. I've now been running it for gosh, about two years. So it started about halfway into my journey. um, And it has just been the greatest lifesaver when it comes to my, my own well-being and and connecting to other people. I've met people in person through it, um, getting to talk to people like you. Uh, So it's been really amazing. I'm really grateful for it. Oh, well, it's just fantastic. And I'm, I'm so sorry for everything you've been through and your losses. It really is. um, It's heartbreaking. And I think there's so many things I've meant I should have really scribbled things down as you were speaking because lots of things are now coming into my mind that I want to ask you about but I think the first thing to say is that 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 loneliness that isolation that everybody so many people do feel because I remember this when we were going through it and then I would be introduced to people who who are already kind of out the other side and I was like that's really helpful as well you know to have that connection as you say but actually I really needed somebody just right on my level at that point which I just didn't have and Instagram did not there just wasn't this this didn't exist at the time when I was going through it so it's really great that you were able to to find that and it gives you so much doesn't it yeah it's fantastic it um we don't know what we don't know And I know if that makes sense. So this is a really complicated field. It's also not a super advanced field. There's a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks. But even being through this in four years, and I'm very type A, I'm very studious. I try to read and learn everything. I still have moments where somebody mentions this test they did in another country that none of my doctors mentioned to me. And I didn't know to ask for it because I'd never heard of it. And I do the test and I learn something that could be helpful. And so I'm also gaining from it just insight of what to do. And I always share those things. And I always tell people, you know, certainly not everything is for everyone. But for me, I feel better with every step in the journey if I know I've tried everything. Because then I can't ever say to myself, well, you didn't try it all. So it's been so great for that. But honestly, one of the best parts is when people send me memes or snarky jokes, because they know I'd appreciate that, or they tell me the ridiculous thing their neighbor said to them, and we can laugh about it together. Um, Because we can't laugh to the neighbor, right? When the neighbor says something that is seemingly, you know, innocuous, but it's actually hurtful, you say, oh, thank you. And then you 
DM me and you say, listen to this crazy stuff. And, and I love that. I love that. We just, I have friendships in strangers pretty much. Yeah. 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 And then they're not strangers really. Cause they become these, but and I've, I've met people on, you know, in real life after knowing them on Instagram for years and it's really bizarre. And you just think, wow, this is actually a real life person who's really, and they've been there, you know, in your darkest, difficult, most difficult times, you know, the, the bits, but you're right. Um, with the, having to laugh about this because I think often as well or certainly what happened before Instagram was that any support that was out there was really quite kind of serious and basically lacking in personality (laughs) and you know it's like you lose your you just completely lose a sense of identity anyway a lot of the time when you go through this so actually being able to remember that you are a full kind of full three-dimensional human with a sense of humor and being able to to weave that into actually what is an incredibly positive account because it's all about connection and um support is I think that's really important and really a huge part of what you offer it's just really really helpful I think you're so right that there's a lot of spaghetti being thrown at the wall kind of vibes and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast and who are here with us this evening are type a you know we are the kind of people who want to just make sure we know what's going on um and get everything all the information that we can get but there's not it's like somebody didn't join up the dots I think in the mm. fertility world isn't it so we have to do a lot of that ourselves. Gosh, yeah, so much. Um, If you go to 10 different doctors, you're going to get 10 different opinions and 10 different protocols. And I know that because I've gone to 10. You know, after two frozen embryo transfers with tested embryos and still miscarrying those, I really, I love my clinic, but I also did have to say to them at one point, I'm like, you know, we tried it your way and I'd like to explore some other ways. And I did a uh, consultation tour. I basically had a consult with four different clinics and doctors that had very, very different views on how to approach things. I knew I was not necessarily going to go see some of them because, you know, many are out of pocket or unaffordable or in another country, but I wanted to hear the perspective of what other doctors might do knowing all my medical information. And I did get four very different plans. What was phenomenal about it, though, is I could take those four plans and bring them back to my current doctor and say, okay, I want to talk through these. Why or why not might we approach some of these? And it led us to create a plan that I was advocating for because we need information to advocate for ourselves. You just you need to know what you're asking for. Some of them we didn't approach and she gave me good reasons and I appreciated those reasons. And some of them we did and we added some tests. And then one area, reproductive immunology, you know, she, my current doctor was, you know, it's, it's newer. It doesn't have as much evidence. She was not, you know, she doesn't run those tests herself. She's not an immunologist. So we agreed I would go to one and we would, you know, combine our plans together. I mean, my gosh, I have, I feel like Leslie note from Parks and Rec. I've just got binders and binders of information and studies. And my favorite thing is when somebody messages me and they say, you know, what's your opinion on medicated versus natural frozen embryo transfers? And I'm like, I'm glad I you asked. Let me pull out the binder and show you all the research I have on it. Uh, let's talk through it because you know, we have to kind of help each other out with that information. But knowledge is power. We have to do the research so we can be our best advocate. Our doctors are absolutely in it for our success, but a lot of their approach is a numbers game. And my reality, and I think most reality for people is I don't have the funds for a numbers game. I don't have the mental wherewithal for a numbers game. 
I have found myself saying to my doctor, especially as we go into our next frozen embryo transfer cycle, um, I've had five miscarriages now. I, I've said to her, I need you to approach this like it is my last embryo. I will never do another retrieval. Our last chance. This is it. This is your Hail Mary. How would you approach it? Because it too often, I think the approach is assuming well, you'll try again. If this way doesn't work, you'll try again. So yeah, that spaghetti out of wall is, is a real issue, but, but we can, you know, fight for the best stickiest noodles <laughs> as much as we can. <laughs> you know, a lot of doctors say you can't test for everything, both because insurance doesn't allow it, but doctors, you know, they don't want to waste on tests and time, but we also know our bodies and I didn't go through the gambit of tests and surgeries and everything to test for endometriosis until after uh, my fourth miscarriage, even though I have had horrific periods since I was 10 years old. That's the kind of thing that is frustrating in, in medicine. I think that I had to really kind of put my foot down and say, you might not think this is it, but this is what I want to do next. And so we did test for it. And then we saw it and I, you know, I woke up from anesthesia and, and looked at my doctor and I, I said, this is my face I give to my husband when I'm trying really hard not to say, I told you so, but I did. <laughs> it does blow my mind. And I think a lot of this is down to the fertility world still being seen. I think things are finally changing now, but fertility just being seen as a women woman's issue. And mm -hmm. we know that the investment in women's health is not anywhere near what it should have been for years and years and years. So that's why there's so much that we are, that isn't taken seriously, right? That the endometriosis diagnosis can take years and years and years, which is horrendous. But again, things are shifting and changing. And I think a lot of that is the power of social media and having people actually, because not everyone is a type A personality, actually, you know, there are a lot of people that would want to self advocate or but just wouldn't know how or wouldn't be able to in that moment, like if they're really going into a bit of a hole with the whole thing, and not feeling like themselves, it's really difficult to advocate, isn't it when you're not there? Yeah. So actually having the support and, you know, talking of a numbers game, the support of numbers in terms of social media and the power of actually connecting with people on that side to get information, but also to get that sense of um, solidarity and almost like, you know, the, the community has your back kind of thing when you go into that clinic I always was brought up with this kind of I definitely had a bit of a white coat mentality when before I learned that actually I needed to take more responsibility for my own um, health care in that I was just kind of very very trusting of um, and, and I still am and I'm you know medics are amazing they're amazing and I'm very grateful to them it's actually we're recording this on world IVF day this is the day that the first ever IVF baby Louise Brown was born um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the science and at the same time, I, you know, it took this journey for me to understand that I, I did need to take more ownership over my own journey. But I had this real like, oh, authority, you know, doctor must just do what they say and and all of that. And actually recognizing that there was so much more that I could bring to the table in my own pathway than just what they said, you know, because actually you're right, you know, no one else. No one else knows your body as much as you do. No one else has as much interest in it working out as you do. So I love that line that you said to your provider there, like just, just approach this as if <laughs> it's the last ever go. And, and it, it gives you back a sense of power as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And 
I think one thing I love about my, my doctor, my clinic, and sometimes people ask me, what should I look for? And it's how receptive she is to my question. She will take a phone call with me just because I sent her, you know, some obscure article on the internet that says, you know, try this witchcraft or whatever it might be. And she will talk me through like, okay, well, here's what we know about this. Here's what we don't. Here's why I don't do this. Here's why some doctors might, because she understands that the science is full of opinions. And she also understands that infertility is not a diagnosis. It is a symptom. And we are trying to find the diagnosis. If you are having recurrent pregnancy losses, if you are not able to get pregnant for, for months, months, and years and years, there is a medical reason and the side effect, what's happening because of that medical reason is infertility. So doctors are just so phenomenal. And if you can find the one that really hears you and listens to you and, and doesn't, you don't want the doctors. I don't want the doctor that just says yes to everything I suggest because that doesn't make sense. They're the ones with the medical degree. They're the ones that studied this. I just want to understand why or why not we might approach something and to be receptive when I really push for something like, like the endometriosis tests before my doctor might. And my doctor uh, in particular said she wanted to try once more before testing. And I was the one who said, I'd like to do the tests now. Uh, so it's, it's, a you know, it's about give and take. It's about talking to one another. And then at the end of the day, like you said, we are going to be the ones who are the most invested in this. I will say it has also really, really helped me to find this infertility and loss community because it's helped me feel empowered to ask questions um, because I know more about what's worked and not worked for other people. And that's, that's huge. Oh my God, it's massive. And I think that's it. It's that collaborative um, effort really, isn't it? Instead of instead of the old fashioned kind of like doctor tells the patient, this is what we're going to do. Actually, it's more about, okay, well, can I bring this to the table? Can we discuss this? And then being responsive, um, exactly. And and being able to, you know, I, th- <laughs> I definitely think we have a bit of an issue sometimes with consultants and their egos. And that is an issue that we definitely have over in the UK. Anyway, it's a huge issue, actually. And I know, you know, having spoken to professionals um, who work inside fertility clinics on this as well, and actually who are kind of maybe pushing for slightly more holistic approaches or, you know, looking at new research. And actually, a lot of the time, it's that is hard because you've got a consultant in charge who's been there for a long time and Mm. does it a certain way and whatever. So being able to have that, yeah, that, that community element, giving you back that confidence to go in and be like, actually let's approach this together as a team, as a team. Yeah. And my favorite thing to say to my doctor these days is um, if it won't hurt, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to be doing IVIG and a couple other um, immunology protocols to coincide with my frozen embryo transfer. And we've gone through every single one of them because even though she doesn't necessarily believe in them, my question with every single one, and there's gosh, like 18 different things we're adding (laughs) and every single one it's, is this going to hurt? And if she says, well, no, it's not going to hurt. I say, great, I'm adding it because I just don't want to look back and wonder if I should have for this round. So, so yeah, I love to just ask like, Hey, if it won't hurt, let's try it. One of my members here just saying with, um, same with the nurses, like as in talking about the collaboration, um, having them on your side and can help you fight your corner. Yeah. And I think you do need to have that feeling with your, your clinic and your healthcare provider that, that you you can trust them and that you feel like you can have a conversation with them and that you're not feeling like you know one of a just another number kind of going through Gosh, that's um, so true um 
you know, I've been in this for a long time and I've been with my clinic for a long time. And it was a very jarring moment when I started walking in and they all know me, you know, now and now, you know, they're saying, oh, we're cheering for you because I've been there longer than most. But I had one nurse and nurses are just, they're so phenomenal. Um, I had one nurse who came in on her day off to check in with me after I had my hysteroctopy, just to see how I was feeling. She came in, I woke up and she was there and, you know, I was a little dazed and I was like, what are you doing here? You're here. Let's hang out. And she's like, oh no, I'm not here to hang out. You're in a bed. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's the kind of thing that nurses also do that I'm so grateful for is care for the the human behind the medicine. And that is a team effort, right? The doctors are very busy and focused on the medicine, but we also need someone who holds your hand during the saline sonogram. That's painful. For three of my five losses, it was still so deep in the pandemic that my husband couldn't even be with me in a single appointment. So I'm going through, you know, getting these new, I'm getting updates, finding out that they're, you know, the heartbeat has gone away with my husband in a parking lot on Zoom. And so the nurses were the ones who walked me out the side door. So I didn't have to walk out alone. And I I just think about them as such an integral part of our care, not just for the medicine part, but for that emotional support. So if there are any listening, I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) I'm grateful. And I'm so, gosh, I'm so sorry. That's so difficult. The time, obviously everything you've been through, but the timing as well to do it all through the pandemic. How are you getting through this? What are your strategies? How do you manage it? You know, it's such an interesting question because I think that there's a little bit of imposter syndrome when it comes to how well we're doing. Sometimes I think I must be just floundering at this. I must be failing at this. And then I talk to other people and I say, no, we're all just coping with it best we can. And we're here and we're doing it. And, you know, I have had a lot of trouble in that since my last miscarriage was, was a later miscarriage and it was an especially physically painful one. And I have done a lot since then I've done the hystero and another retrieval and a Lupron depot. And so I haven't you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I've taken a break, but I haven't had a transfer tried to get pregnant since. And I realize now a lot of that has been fear of getting back in it. We're, you know, next month we'll be starting again and doing the saline sonogram and possibly Lupron, but I do struggle. I, some of the things that has really, really helped me though, in addition to this account, in addition to connecting to people with the, for the Baroness Instagram account and talking to people like you and listening to stories has been, well, I read a lot. And I stopped reading anything that felt too serious. Like I am reading just some bizarre, smutty escapism stuff. I share it on the account. I love hearing from other people, you know, every once in a while. I, and I, you know, I probably read like three books a week now because it has become, I was like, well, I'll read for escapism. And then I realized, oh, I'm needing to escape a lot. But I, you know, <laughs> fantasy books and things that are a totally other world. And that brings me joy. Um, I have started really making an effort, even if I have to go further, you know, we moved to a town, a suburb outside of San Francisco with the intention of having children. And I've stopped trying to make it work here right now. And instead I just drive back to the city to see my friends who don't have kids because I spent years trying to connect to people in a suburb where they all have children. And that was hard. So I think that saying it's okay to recognize that my life is not there right now, but what brings me joy? And it's going out with my friends that don't necessarily have kids that have been my friends, even if I have to drive an hour to see them. Fine, I'll drive an hour to see them because it always feels worth it in the end. But I have really hard days. I have really down days. I do go to therapy. I'm a big advocate for therapy, any kind of therapy, talk therapy, whatever it might be. Um, Sometimes I go into therapy and it's like, 
I think my therapist looks at me and she's like, okay, is this a trauma day or is this a gossip day? <laughs> like you never really know, but just knowing that it's there helps a lot. But I do have days that feel hard. I do have days where I wake up and for absolutely no reason at all, I just feel so blue, so heavy. It's such a challenge. And I let myself sit with that. I let myself be okay with that. I, I let myself just feel bad. I think that's important too, to not, if you wake up and you just feel terrible, you don't have to rally. You don't have to convince yourself to put on a brave face and feel joyful and say, okay, what are my self-care tools? You know, read the book, go for a jog, see the friends, no, lay in bed if that's what you need, because I think that our bodies and our minds often tell us what the day needs. So yeah, I, I do try most days to say, what can I do to bring me joy today? Um, but I also have a lot of days where I'm just like, I'm living in this bed and that's, that's just what my body needs to do. This is where I am today. Yeah. You know, I love all of that. And I think, you know, in, in the life raft, this is what we teach is that we get, just need to get in tune with what we need day to day and then to deliver it. And if that is what you need on that day, as um, one of my members has said there, we call it a fuck it day or just a survival day. If you're not a swearer, but basically a fuck it day where you're just like, I'm going to be here today and that's okay. And then you have to come in with that self-compassion because other Otherwise, you're like, oh, but I should be doing my self-care or I should be doing blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, no, that's where I need to be right now. I just need to be here and sit with the truth of what, how I'm feeling today. I love so that. Yeah, yeah. It's so important, isn't it? Because then it, it just it allows you to just be truthful and you don't add to the, another layer of like, oh, I should be doing this, that and the other. I love this kind of, first of all, I love the reading. I love reading as well and I love that you're into your smutty nonsense <laughs> <laughs> I you know I have my my husband teases me I have a master's degree in English literature I uh, my focus is on Shakespeare and yet for the last year I have read more smut more vulgar dragon shifter crazy smut than I ever thought I would in my whole life but it is it's such an an escape and it brings me joy. And frankly, he doesn't complain that much because it certainly helps with our marriage too. Um, but I'm reading something sexy, everybody wins. And we all know that. I, th I don't think I only speak for myself when I say that, like your sex life is going to take a hit when you go through this. So anything we can do to just have a little fun and laugh and feel joy and maybe feel sexy, I think is a win. Oh my God, definitely. So this is the thing that isn't the other thing that we focus on is this idea of like joy first, this joy first principle and like, and just bringing in something that, that is, and if it's some, you know, if it's erotic literature, Meg, then that's what you do. <laughs> Bring that into your life. And you're right, you know, it's, uh, it, it does take a hit and actually reminding yourself that, you know, this is where you are right now. And I love that. I love that you were just going, okay, I'm not where I thought I'd be. So I'm just going to, have to look at what I can do which is to drive into the city and see my friends without kids or whatever you do in the city and again it, it kind of gives you back a sense of like owning owning this stage of your life yes um, because for many people fortunately it, it doesn't last that long you know maybe you do one round of IVF maybe it just takes a year it's still a very very hard year but I spent a long time a lot of my life too much of my life thinking well we shouldn't book that trip because next month that might work. Or we, you know, we shouldn't think about 
moving or we shouldn't use that spare bedroom for anything else because it might happen for us in a quarter. And the hard part of that is four years goes by. And that's kind of where I'm at, you know, four plus years goes by. And then I look back and I was like, all I've done in four years is deal with fertility. It starts to feel like it's your entire identity. And it's not. I'm not just this barren person. I am not just my miscarriages. I There's so much more to me. And I just realized I didn't want to see myself that way anymore. I didn't want other people to see me that way anymore. I still struggle with this a lot, but I, I have tried to reclaim aspects of my life that bring me joy. Now, that being said, I, I still am human and I have moments where I say, well, you know, I don't want to do this thing next month because we might we might be trying again. Of course, it still comes in. And of course, it's still always in the back of my mind. Even when I'm having fun with friends, it's still in the back of my mind. I actually have likened it to how when a parent, when a mom goes out with friends, she's still always thinking about her kids somewhere in the back of her mind. Well, I am still always thinking about fertility somewhere in the back of my mind. It's always there. It's always present. But what can I do to still keep living life? I'm trying every day to keep thinking of that and enjoying that. And it's a challenge, but, but we have to, we have to find ways to find joy and like, remember that we have more to ourselves than just loss. Absolutely. And yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's just making sure you're actually living your life through it all. Otherwise what happens is you get so disconnected from your actual identity, which is who you are, that you forget to live your, you literally forget to live your life. And that's what happened to me before. I also found I needed to find a way back to who I was. I'm that reclaiming, reclaiming who I was and, and my identity again. And in fact, like, you know, you're not the same person that you are when you start trying, you, you, you evolve. But I think that often is something that is said with a kind of, you know, I, I've, I've lost myself. I'm not the same person. But I think that's true of just life in general. I mean, we do evolve through anything that we go through, good, bad, anything. We sh- we shift, we change, you know, it, and that kind of acceptance that we are going to shift and change is yeah. kind of helpful because then you go, all right, well, this is who I am now. So who am I now? How can... Yes, that's so happen? true. I It has taken some therapy to get there, but I've stopped telling myself, I miss who I was before my losses. I want to get back to who I was before my losses. I will never, I will never be the same person I was before these losses. That trauma, that pain, that's that's in my bones now. Um, it has seeped into me. It doesn't mean it's all that I am, but it will always be a part of who I am. And I will never be that person who says, you know, it will make you stronger. Like pain makes you stronger. Less, like, no, I don't want to be stronger. That's not fair. Why do I have to go through heartache to become stronger? That's not what this is about. It's not about making me this like grand, you know, better, stronger person in myself. It just, it's different. I'm different, but I still have so much of me. I still love to, to act, to jog and to, to read and I puzzle and I, you know, I, I, like Harry Potter and there's just so many things to my personality that I that aren't gone so it's Harry Potter and smut which is your favorite (laughs) just those two yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah my kind of lady Um, (laughs) yeah I think yeah I think this is this is it it's just remembering and you know looking at the science behind all of this it's all what you're actually giving to your brain and giving to the the little um, you know what, what signals you're sending around your body and I think that's it it's like it sits 
inside you like what you have been through so to and and that was something else you said there as well about I don't want to say anymore that I miss the person I was because actually I feel like there's so much narrative around you know this whole thing being a fight you've got to fight 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 for what you can do and if you're also trying to get back to someone who you were before you're just adding another layer of kind of friction almost to the truth of actually where you are now so it adds in more effort to something which is already really difficult. I suppose we can kind of, you know, almost grieve that person that was really yeah. innocent and carefree and didn't have hadn't been through that trauma. Yeah. And at the same time, we can find, yeah, who we are now. Yeah, gosh, that's so true. You do have to to grieve that. You do have to recognize that that's that's someone you're going to miss. That that's a hard thing to lose. Um, and I love thinking about it that way, that you're grieving, grieving that person that, that you used to be. Yeah. And it's, and it's sad and it's that, that bit is sad, but then as we said, it's okay to have that sadness. I'm just keep thinking of the, the Disney movie. What's it called? Um, the Disney movie where they have all of the feelings and you're in your oh, head. Oh yeah. It actually, and it takes place in San Francisco, which I always thought was yes, fun. Yes, 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 it does. Oh God. What's it called? Who knows? Inside, Who, inside out. out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, you know, I, I often have had people tell me who haven't been through this. They say like, oh, wow, you're so strong. I can never go through all of that. And I, I think that's such an interesting compliment because I don't feel strong all the time. And I think to myself like, well, you haven't had to, and that's really, really fortunate, but I, I don't really have a choice in the matter. This is where I'm at. This is my reality. Um, I don't always feel strong every day. Some days I feel really weak and that's okay. I think it's actually okay to not be strong every day, to have that fuck it day, like you mentioned, because it's almost an added level of hardship to feel like we have to set this example, to feel like we have to like handle it with grace. I am not graceful all the time with this. I can be quite the hot mess with this. So yeah, we, we might be strong some days, but we don't have to be strong every day. That's okay. Yeah. But if everyone else wants to think we're very strong, that's fine. We'll let then them that's think. fine. <laughs> what do you do with the comments? What, what, how do you manage them? And you know, the kind um, of like, yeah, all the yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really depends on the circumstance. Uh, for example, I was, you know, just recently at the dentist and one of the hygienists asked me if I had children and I just said, no, and just, you know, kind of ended it there. Like not going to get into this but we had to list my medications. And so it came up that I'm doing IVF. And I was like, you know, she was like, what medications are you on? I'm like, well, how long is your form? <laughs> like, we're about to get into this. But then I, you know, I told her, well, I'm doing IVF and she goes, oh, congratulations. That's great. And in my head, I'm thinking, why would you congratulate someone for having a disease and having to go through this really traumatic thing? I know people mean well, I know they are also uncomfortable and they don't quite know what to say. In that situation, having, you know, stuff in my mouth and sitting in the chair and she's about to give me a cleaning that I want to be not painful, I just politely said, thank you. And that was the circumstance there to kind of end it. But I have gotten more, uh, I don't know if the word is courageous or open or trying to, to teach with people close to me, my friends, my family, when they say things that they want to be helpful or don't realize are hurtful, I have tried to do a better job of you know, not necessarily teaching them, but correcting them, telling them like how I feel differently about it. For example, I, you know, I had a lot of friends that would often say, well, at least you can get pregnant. And I've started saying like, yeah, but pregnancy is not the end goal here and I don't have a baby. So, you know, just without being unkind, like reframing it that way 
can be really helpful. Also, sometimes I just ignore it. I say thank you. And then I hop on my Instagram and I complain about it (laughs) to the community that I know understands it, that I know gets it because nobody, and I, I, I really do believe this. Nobody wants to be hurtful. It's just, no one could ever understand what this really feels like until you're in it. Just like none of us would really have ever known how this was going to feel until we found ourselves in it. So I try to keep that in mind and give people grace for that. The nail on the head there is like having to, you know, we we look at the circumstances we're in, the person who's saying it, whether we can be bothered um, to go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how are we feeling today? As you say, like check in with your body and brain and what have we got to offer today? And if you can, then great. But if if what you need to do is get on your Instagram, if you've got one and just go, oh, <laughs> it happened. And then you yeah. get loads of people going, oh, so annoying. And you're like, yeah, it is. And then you feel that sense of like being seen, being understood. You know, it's yeah. just everything, isn't it? Yeah. Even if you're not on social media, find that one friend that you can text, that you can be like, you're not going to believe what this person said. That can be so helpful just to get it off your chest. Um, I have had some moments though, because none of us are perfect for like, you know, my, my neighbor said something about, you know, oh, well, your body, your body will change when you get pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, I've been pregnant. It was a new neighbor. I was like, oh, well, I've been pregnant. She's like, oh, you have kids. I was like, nope. <laughs> just like kind of left it at that and let her let her kind of sit with that and then I then I walked away and I was like oh that was not the way to make a new neighbor friend I should probably bring her a bundt cake or something but, <laughs> but sometimes you know we're human and we can't help it too well, um, exactly exactly but you know it's, it's, it, we are human and we have to forgive ourselves all of all of that shit and at the same time you know know that there are options to kind of go all right And you don't mean this in the way that you're saying it. So always bear that in mind and look at different perspectives because it's probably going to be a a smoother ride for me if I'm able to tap into that mindset more. It's been lovely hearing more about you and about how you get through this and your community and everything that you do. I really want to thank you for for coming this evening and and chatting with us. And what, how do people find you and what can you, what, yeah, tell us how they find you. Yeah. Uh, So definitely find me on Instagram, send me a message. Um, It's for underscore the underscore Baroness spelled like if, if you're Baron, um, or if you look it up online, www.forthebaroness.com, you'll be able to find the site and find me there. I absolutely love connecting to people. So please send me messages. Tell me your story. Tell me that snarky thing that your neighbor said and what you wish you could have said back to them, even if you didn't. But I just, like I mentioned, the whole reason I I started this account and joined this community was because I was feeling lonely I know that other people are feeling lonely too. And I just, I want to be that friend that that we all kind of need to have, even if you're across the world. Oh, you're amazing, Meg. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved this conversation. Um, yeah, my members here saying thank you so much, relate a lot to you and thank you for sharing so openly and amazingly. Yes, thank you. Um, and honestly, do go and have a look. People who are listening um, to this podcast, uh, go and have a scroll through because it will bring you a little bit of joy and it will bring it will bring you a little bit of um, solidarity and all of the good things that we need when we're going through a really difficult time like this. So massive thanks to you for joining us. Have a beautiful day in California and thank you to my gorgeous live members here who have joined us today as well. Thank um, you, Alice. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs>